Praise God, praise God. As we get ready to jump into this thing. How many people went to the broken marriage yesterday? Yeah. Give God a praise for that. I heard God had a wonderful time. I'm so proud and uh, grateful for Lady Thomas. I heard it was excellent. I was in there as a part of the setup and it looked excellent, but I heard everything was excellent. Y'all had a good time of worship and food and enjoying each other. So I thank God. Can we give God a praise for Lady Thomas? For God put that on her heart. Her as well, so I'm thankful for that. I'm so thankful. And then she was uh, preparing her thing. God kind of hit me in my spirit and uh, with something as well. So it's kind of tied into hers a little bit. So if you can, real quick, we're going to look at the book of John, chapter 4. Let's look at the scripture real quick. So I'm screwing. If you don't have your Bible, you want to get your Bible, your phone out, whatever you want to do, go ahead. I don't mind. John, chapter 4. The Gospel of John, chapter 4, verse 10. He says this. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. If you don't mind, high five somebody say, if you only knew. If you only knew. Yeah, two, 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 about two more people. You need high five about two more people so you can feel that. And say, if you only knew. If you only knew. If you only knew. In California in 2015, a new reports were being aired all over of a surveillance video at the Rosemont supermarket. They were able to identify the winning lottery ticket had been purchased at this supermarket. This man had purchased a Powerball ticket. He had all five of the numbers, but he didn't have the Powerball ticket number. But the ticket was still worth a million dollars. So this man's face was all over every news station. They was letting him know you won the lottery. You have 180 days to claim your prize. There was only one problem. The man misplaced the ticket. Yeah. Even though he had taken time to go get the ticket, spent his heart on money on the ticket, even the people knew he actually won the lottery, but he still didn't have the ticket. I bet if he knew what he had, he would have took better care of it. Can I suggest to you that God has placed something in us that's more valuable than money? Yeah. That God has something in us that is priceless. And if we really knew what God placed in us and who he called us to be, I bet we take care of things a little bit different. Amen? Amen. All right, let's look at this right real quick in the book of John, starting with chapter 1, uh, verse 1, excuse me, chapter 4. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So the ministry of Jesus is taking off right now. John the Baptist has prepared the way. Now Jesus is on the scene. The Pharisees are kind of mad now because they had no idea that the Messiah was coming. Now the Messiah has actually shown up. The Pharisees are kind of upset. So they were bothered because Jesus' sphere of influence was growing really fast now. So Jesus was growing, growing a following. Even John's disciples started wondering, like, what is going on with this guy? We were following John. Everybody was following us. But John tried to set him up. He said, look here, somebody's coming that I'm not even worthy to strap up with their sandals. Uh, somebody's coming. I baptize you with water, but somebody's coming going to baptize you with fire. He was referring to the Holy Spirit. So to avoid all this conflict, Jesus said, you know what? I'm leaving Judea. He departed again. But he needed to go through Samaria. Yeah, I'm going to shout this cool. Um, he needed, he must go through Samaria. Now, the word in the Bible is by chance. If anything's in the Bible, it's there for a purpose. 
uh, every place Jesus visited, taught at, or even performed a miracle, it was a purpose he went there. He had to go there. And I love this because the text said that he needed to go through Samaria. What was so important about Samaria? When the nation of Israel split after Solomon's rule, King Omar named the capital northern kingdom Samaria. That name will later be attributed to the northern kingdoms which had been taken captive by Assyria in 722 BC. The Assyrians, even though they took a lot of Jews captive, so they took them, uh, the Babylonians came, they took the Jews captive for 70 years. They took a lot of the Jews captive, but they left some there. Not only did they leave some Jews there, but they took other people captive and let them stay there. So now you've got a whole mixed culture of Jews and non-Jews. So when these people, after their 70 years of being in captivity, when they finally came back and seen all these Jews and non-Jews, guess what? They were together, so they were, they were intermarrying. They were producing Jews and non-Jews coming together. So the, the original Jews had a problem with that. They didn't like that because y'all don't know God like we know God. So how are y'all going to claim that y'all are God's people now because y'all got some Jews in this other mixed race? So it created a whole bunch of mess. And the Samaritans stopped worshiping Jerusalem. They said, we're not going to Jerusalem no more. We're going to pick our own mountain, Mount Gizurim. And the Samaritans only regarded the Pentateuch as the authoritative word of God. The Pentateuch is the first five books of the Bible. So the Jews considered them to be heretics. So it was historically a big culture problem with these two groups. It was like a race problem. They couldn't stand each other. They didn't like each other. And it trips me out because even though all this is going on, Jesus still needed to go there. Can I pause for a second? Sometimes God needs you to go somewhere that might be unlikely you need to go. Sometimes God might need you to go to the block and go talk to a young brother and say, hey, I, I know you out here hustling, but I'm going to give you $20 to give me. Give me a second of your time because what I got to tell you is more valuable than whatever you're about to do. I'm about to give you some living life. I'm about to give you some, some something that you really need. Maybe sometimes a sister, and I'm only going to say sisters and no brothers, maybe sometimes we need to go to the strip club and say, you know what, how much is a dance? I'm going to give you some flowers and I'm going to pay for this dance. Can we talk? Can I pray with you? Can we sit down and talk? Can I just tell you what God says about you? I know what these Negroes say about you, but I want to tell you what God said to you. I love Jesus because he went somewhere where they didn't expect him to go but he needed to go yes. so if Jesus needed to go where people needed him why is we going Right, that's good. yeah I love that Jesus needed to go to Samaria because he had to show them the right way let's look at verse 5 so he came to a city of Samaria which is called Sychar near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph now Jacob well, Jacob's well was there Jesus, therefore, being weary from his journey, set thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. All right. This is a historical piece of land. This is Jacob. So Jacob, who was later to change his name to Israel, gave his son Joseph this piece of land right here. So Jesus is weary. Jesus needs a drink of water. I love this because we also must remember why Jesus was 100% God. He was 100% man. Which means he dealt with things like we did. He was thirsty. That's why the Bible says, you don't have a savior who is not like you. No, he was tempted in every ways, but he did not sin. That gives me insurance that I got my money bet on, a, uh, on somebody that was really saved. And somebody that was perfect. Amen. So, so Jesus was weary. He needed a drink of water. He sees a woman there and he says, give me a drink. Uh, let me drop this on you real quick. And this time, if a woman came to the well, she usually came early in the morning before the sun. Or she came late in the afternoon. Guess what? She didn't come by herself. It was usually a group of women that came together to collect the water. So if she came by herself and it's the sixth hour, which means it's about noon, I got a sneaky suspicious she got something to do with her public shame. 
If something right, something don't sit right with me that if she came by herself, when all the women usually came in the morning or the evening, and she's by herself, why is she isolated? She probably has done some things in her life that she's not proud of. She's probably done some things in her life she wish she could change. And her decisions has forced her into isolation. We already know that if a woman has a bad reputation, sometimes it can force you into isolation. But it's like, oh, nobody got your back. Don't nobody care. But I love this. I love God so much. Why? Because sometimes to get us to elevate, we got to isolate. Ooh, yeah. Sometimes for God to get you somewhere, he got to have you by yourself. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, uh, um, sometimes for God to get your attention, he got to have you so low because you're so low. Uh, yeah, you got to get that. Sometimes God got to have you somewhere so low, which is by yourself because you're so low because of your guilt, your shame, your hurt. People that did you wrong and did you dirty. And God has to be the one that fixed that. You can't depend on man to do that because man can't do that. Some things only God can fix. So Jesus is right there. He's talking to this woman. For a, Jesus, for a Jewish man to speak to a woman in public, that's not going to happen. This is just this, the Bible is a very uh, male dominated society in this time in Jerusalem. So, 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 men speaking to women that usually don't happen. So, not only is this a man, but it's Jesus. He's a rabbi, so he's a teacher of the word of God. And not only is she a woman, but she's a woman of ill reputation. So, all of this is going on. But I love this because Jesus is breaking all the rules. She said, "I don't care what y'all think. This girl needs me. I needed to come there, so I'm about to talk to her, baby girl. Give me." A drink. Let's look at what the Bible says. For his disciples had gone away to the city to buy food. So it's Jesus, just Jesus and this woman. None of his disciples were around. Look at what the woman says. Then a woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you being a Jew ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. This lets me know, sister girl, ain't no fool. She knows what's going on. She knows what's going on in her culture, her times, and she's tripped out because you a Jewish man. How you got the nerve to ask me for a drink? I can see Sister Girl probably rolling her eyes. Who do this man think he is asking me for a drink? Hand on her hip, probably her neck twitching. Why are you asking me for a drink? We don't deal with each other. We like Crips and Bloods. We don't deal with each other. Why are you asking me for something? It doesn't make sense. And no matter they were segregated, Jesus said, so I got to get something to her. Let's look at what Christ said to her, even though she said we have no dealings. And so we picked up in verse 10. If you knew the gift of God and who it was who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Woo. Look at that New Living Translation. Check this out. If you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink. And I would give you fresh and living water. Woo. If you knew the gift and the generosity of God, if you knew you were my child, you would be walking with your head up high. If you knew you were created in my image, you would be walking with your head up high. If you knew you were fearfully and wonderfully made, you would act a certain way. If you knew you were the head and not the tail, you would act different. If you knew you was above and not beneath, if you know you've been justified for your sins and been redeemed, if you knew you were a new creation in Christ, all things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. If you knew you were no longer a slave but a child of the king, if you knew you were my workmanship and I created you to do good works, you would act different. Amen. So the problem is society, the enemy, and our own self-conscious mm -hmm. and even haters have messed up our mind. That's we don't it. even know who we are. Yeah, yeah. 
We don't even know who we are no more. God looking at us like, I put so much in you. So much purpose, so much passion, so much plan. I got a plan for your life. And because society, our own self-conscious and doubt, haters, and the devil, we don't even know who we are no more. But I come against that lying spirit today in the name of Jesus, that sabotaging spirit that's trying to kill your future and your destiny. We come against it right now. I come to tell you, if you're royalty, you should act like it. Yeah, yeah, that was a shout right there because my father's the king. Uh, uh, as Lady Thomas read earlier, that if he gave his son, that means that he was willing to give his son up for us. What, 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 what won't he give me? If I'm willing to let my son die for me, what won't I give you? If I'm willing to give my son his blood and let him go through all that, what will I hold you back? And I own everything. So if you royalty, act like it. Amen in the name of Jesus. So check this out. We in verse 10 and 11. So, so he says, if you knew the gift of God uh, and who it was who says that you give me a drink, you would have asked him. He would have given you living water. And the woman said, sir, you have nothing to draw the water with. The well to be. Where then did you get this living water? What is she talking about? See, verse 10 has two parts. If you knew the gift of God, the gener- generosity of God, but he also says, who it is who says this to you? Replying to him that, that you got to ask me. I am the one that got the living water. So remember, I told you the Samaritans only followed the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible: Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That's what they followed. They didn't follow the whole Bible, so they missed it. Jesus was using an Old Testament illustration of water. What did water speak of? Water spoke of knowledge of God, His grace, which provides cleansing, spiritual life. And the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. Guess what water represents in the Bible? I love this one of my favorite verses about it right here. Ezekiel 36. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you. And you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness. From all your idols. Yeah, that was a shout right there. I will sprinkle clean water on you. I'm so thankful, God, that I will be cleansed. Check this out. Not only does he want to cleanse me, but how does he do it? I will give you a new heart. And put a new spirit within you. I will take your heart of stone. Woo! You know how cold our hearts get, how hard our hearts get, that this world has messed us up. The, the, all the problems, all the news, all the bad things that happen has made our hearts become stone. And God says, guess what? I'm going to take that heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Then I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and you will keep my judgments and do them. Amen. So when God sprinkles water on you, he not only cleanses you on the outside, because we got a lot of people that look like, look like they go to church. Yeah. You look like you go to church. What does that mean? Please tell me. I don't know. You look like you go to church. What do you mean? No, 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 no. He just don't want to clean up your clothes. The purpose is to get to that heart. Because without that heart, he ain't got nothing. And why Jesus says, guess what? They honor me with their lips. But their hearts is far from me. Which means you can come in here and shout, dance, run, snot, cry, do everything else. But when you leave out that door and do whatever you want to do, you ain't really got your heart. So what God is trying to do, not just sprinkle you off and make you look clean cut and ready for American society. No, he's trying to get to that heart and change you for real. Because when he gives you his heart, he gives you his spirit. But this type of water that Jesus is talking about only comes from the Messiah. Yeah, so Jesus is telling us, 
If you knew that I was the bright morning star, you would ask me for a drink. If you knew I was the Lamb of God, you would ask me for a drink. If you knew I was the Prince of Peace, because that's why you ain't got none, you would ask me for a drink. If you knew I was the only begotten Son, you would ask me for a drink. If you knew I was the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, then you would ask me for a drink. She's just trying to get something to sister girl, but she ain't catching it. She's she talking about the well and, and how deep it. I ain't got nothing to get it. No, baby, I'm trying to give you something else. So, so, so listen to what she says. Verse 12. Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as well as his son and his livestock? Woo! I can see that attitude, sister girl. Neck rolling. All kind of ways. Are you greater? My father, she got commas between stuff. Jacob, who gave us the well, the livestock, himself, and his sons. I can see Sister Girl just going off on Jesus. Trying to explain her point and get her point across. And look, and Jesus answered, said this, check this out. Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall become him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. My God, my God. We see a parallel between the natural need for water and our spiritual needs. The need for water in our natural bodies. No matter how much water we drink, you're going to be thirsty again. No matter how much you get up in the morning, y'all can be drink 10 gallons in the morning. By the evening, you're going to need some more water. Because we need water to live. We are going to become thirsty again. So that's the natural part of it. And also, check this out. When The first thing somebody says, when you want something so bad, and you got something so bad, you're trying to get it, what is the first thing somebody want to tell you? You're thirsty. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You thirsty. That's, 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 that's our thing nowadays. Putting people in thirst traps and all this kind of stuff. You thirsty. You want that so bad. Look at you. You thirsty. So we know it's a need. For water in our life one way or another. Think for a minute. All the things you've been thirsty for that you wanted so bad, but have left you with regret. Yeah. yeah, you wanted that girl so bad. Now you got a couple kids by her and she wants to see you. Yeah. You wanted him so bad. And now you got kids by him and now you don't see him. Yeah. yeah. You wanted that drink so bad and to hang out. Now you're a functioning alcoholic. You might want to thirst for weed or, or X or, or, or smoking wets, whatever it is. And now you're an addict and you've you got no control over your life because you thirsted for it so bad. I come to learn that all the things that I've ever thirsted for outside of God never, ever satisfy me. Everything that I thirsted for that I thought I wanted so bad really never bought me satisfaction. Might have bought me some temporary pleasure. Don't get it twisted. Temporary pleasure, but it didn't bring me satisfaction. Amen. Yeah, yeah. Rock star Mick Jagger, I don't know if y'all know him, but he's part of the Rolling Stones. Uh, he's reached the pinnacle of his career. He's worth $360 million. He even performed at the halftime of the Super Bowl. So once you get to perform at the Super Bowl, you're pretty much a big shot. You've done some things in the, in the music industry. And in 2006, at the Super Bowl in Detroit, he sung his hit song, I Can't Get No Satisfaction. 40 years later, he's still singing the same song. <laughs> this was no doubt a hit, but it does illustrate a point. 
that nothing in this world can give us satisfaction no matter how much we get. If it didn't quench your thirst in 2018, it ain't going to do it in 2019. If you aren't careful and quit, keep looking for things outside of God to quench your thirst, you're going to look up and you're going to be like Mick 40 years later and you still ain't got no satisfaction. We're going to see that our life has passed us by. Our purpose has left us now and all we are left with old and with regrets because we ain't got no satisfaction. And it trips me out because the soda companies tell us the word, obey your thirst. <laughs> See, that's the catch with that because it's okay to obey your thirst, but the only way to obey your thirst, you gotta make sure you obey your spirit too. Uh, because if I obey my spirit, it says if anyone is thirsty, let him drink of me, and he'll never be thirsty again. We obey our thirst, but when we obey our thirst, who is giving us instructions about our thirst? Because if I obey my own thirst, it's going to lead me to destruction. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go down the wrong path. I'm going to be with the wrong people at the wrong time. End up in the wrong place with the wrong decisions. But if I obey God's instructions, yes, if I let his thirst be my thirst, Amen. then it, con- it confirms with my spirit. Now I'm able to make decisions in the spirit. Right. Amen. He said, check this out. This water he gives isn't just for you, though. Yeah. Because he said it's a fountain flowing out of you. Yeah. So think about that. A fountain. It's always to be enjoyed by more than one person. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, That's yeah. Good. A fountain is enough water. Not only can it quench my thirst, but it can quench others as well. So Jesus is trying to turn us, me, you, into a fountain. So our spouse can begin to drink from you. Jesus is trying to turn you into a fountain of water so your kids can be able to drink from you. He's trying to turn you a fountain of water so family and friends can be able to drink from it. He's trying to turn you a fountain of water so your enemies can drink from it too. Yeah, even the people that don't like you, that hate you, that don't want nothing to do with you, can still drink from your fountain because guess what? Jesus said, when when people do wrong to you, you still do good. And it's like heaping hot coals on the head. Because they can't understand, how do I do you wrong? How do I treat you bad? How do I come against you and you still love me? And that becomes a fountain that they can drink from. So God is telling us, check this out. When we become a fountain, his way is so that eventually people can taste him from us. That's why the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. They got to taste and see, but how are they going to taste the water if we are here dehydrated? Mm -hmm. How are they going to taste the water if our thirst ain't quenched? Are we giving them Pop instead of water. <laughs> We're giving them carbonated water instead of water. We're supposed to be supplying living water to the people. Amen. Amen. So look at verse 15. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this drink. She don't want to talk about other stuff no more. You can got me down. Give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. And Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. What is Jesus talking about? She walked the water. You didn't got it off the just Jacobs and his sons and livestock. She passed all that. Now I really want this water you're talking about. But Jesus said, Go call your husband. He is teaching something spiritual, but she doesn't get it. She's thinking, cool, I get to come to this well, I get to get this water, and I never get a thirst again. I'm, I'm straight. 
I love this though because Jesus, whenever he's trying to give something to us, he always pries into our private life a little bit. Yeah, because Jesus knows it's a matter of the heart. So when Jesus asks the question, it's always for a reason. She says she wants the water, and Jesus said, well, you got to prove that you want it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm a pastor. I talk to people all the time, and, and they want my advice, and I, and I love it, and I pray for them. I roll up with them. I, I love to do these things, and I ask questions sometimes because I'm trying to see what your answer is. Because what your answer is is going to determine to me if you really want what you're praying for. I'm trying to see what your answer is because do you really want it or are you just saying something? Because if I really want it, I'm willing to do something about it. So Jesus says, look here, you want this water, it's cool. Go and tell your husband to come here. And look how she replies, verse 17. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said, you have answered well. I have no husband. For you have had five husbands. And the one who you have now is not your husband. And that you spoke truly. What? Woo! Jesus stepping on toes. Hold on. He says, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. She says, I have no husband. And he says, hold on, girl, I know that, but you've had five husbands. Now, me personally, if I've been married five times, I'm quitting. You're not doing it no more. I'm at the road with the same life. Five times and I get divorced all five times, I'm going to have to look in the mirror eventually and say, something wrong with me. I got some issues. So, God, it probably need to be me and you on out because this ain't going to work. I ain't no good for nobody. <laughs> five times, I ain't doing it no more. But sister girl that said, I'm going to get me a man. I'm going to get me a man. No, no, no. You're going to get you a man, all right, and be stuck. She didn't got five times and still ain't got no husband. But then he said, not only that, but the one you kicking in right now ain't even your husband. Mm. So Jesus let her know you've been married five times, and at this very moment right now, you're in a relationship that's of two things. Either you're in fornication or you're in adultery and got somebody else's husband. <laughs> one of the ways you're rolling right now. All kind of stuff going on. So while Jesus is letting her know, look here, I'm aware of your sin, I still am glad that you spoke truthfully. Can I suggest to you that if we're ever going to experience this everlasting water that Jesus is talking about, you must do this, speak the truth or keep it 100. One of the two. We're both in the same, really. You got to speak the truth or keep it 100. A guy can't do nothing with you. You got to be honest. Check this out about honesty. I love this. The Lord is close to all who calls on him. Yes, to all who call on him in truth. So God is close to those who call on him in truth. If we are not, if we are living, excuse me, in a state of consistently lying, if you're an habitual liar, God can't get close to you. Yeah. This is why our nation is so messed up and so much turmoil. Because we dealt with so many lying. As African Americans, we were enslaved in this country and only taught Bible scriptures about submission so they can try to control us. A lie. Because of the color of our skin. Racism deemed us to be three-fifths of a human being. When we bleed like them, have the same heart, same brain, every other function. As Africans, this nation was built on the back of slaves, 400 years of free labor. And most of the people that are wealthy in America would not be wealthy if they didn't have slaves. Not keeping it honest. We were promised 40 acres and a mule. I know it's Black History Month, so let me go ahead and go on real quick. 40 acres and a mule, we were promised. 
And we didn't get none of that. When it was time to collect, they didn't give us nothing. So we can try to get back in the economical game, and we got nothing as a result of that. No acres and no mules. We have to take U.S. history in high school. Anybody took U.S. history in high school as a requirement? Why is it in U.S. history? I didn't learn about Black Wall Street until I got grown. Why they know it was a functioning African-American country in Oklahoma that had their own banks, their own schools, their own grocery stores, had their own money, had all these things, and was living a good life. Because they didn't take slaves from Africa. They took doctors. They took lawyers. They took architects. They took kings. They took princes. They took queens. They took princesses. All this is what they really took. Because some racist cowards couldn't stand to see black people thriving, they burned it down to the ground and killed over 300 people in one day. One of the most horrific days in U.S. history. But why we didn't learn in U.S. history? We have to learn to speak the truth if we're going to get anywhere. Dr. Martin Luther King family won a lawsuit against the United States government stating that, he, that the FBI conspired to kill him. But that's not what we told. Well, I'm always pro-black, pro-black. I'm also first pro-truth. I seen a brother that plays on Empire. I don't even know his name. I, I never watched Empire, but I see him. He all in the news because of his attack and, and, and people getting the Make America Great Again hats have made it uh, uh, added drama to it, added some spice to the story. And I'm all for justice. But if we're going to hold him accountable, we got to hold the one accountable who say he's going to make America great again as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If we're going to hold one person accountable, then the president has to be held accountable for his lying as well. Because I just had a news flash, and it me out because I just named so many things that shows America wasn't that great to begin with. That America has all kind of issues. And if you want to bring that same thought process back to the forefront, then it would never be great because our country is built on lies. And that's the reason why us as blacks haven't got the healing that we need, haven't got the retribution we need because it's still being built on lies. So not only just in the spiritual, but even in the natural. Until truth comes forth, healing can't come forth. Until truth comes forth, justice can't come forth. So I challenge you all to be more cognizant of what's going on and speaking truth and walking truth. Amen. Amen. I had to go on my black history a little bit. Yeah. Uh, it was last Sunday. I had to give you something. There's some substance in it. Uh, but we put it with truth, and the truth is so powerful. Check this out. Uh, John 8, Jesus says this. Then Jesus said to those who believe him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Amen. Ooh, Jesus isn't only referring to himself as the truth. But if you aren't willing to be honest as well, he can't help you. If you're not willing to be honest, God can't do nothing with you. The truth does not set you free, as most people say. The truth don't set you free. That's not true. The truth makes you free. Because once I learn something and I decide it is truth, then I apply it to my life, it changes my decisions. Yes. It makes me free, not sets me free. Because I still have to make a choice. So, so, so maybe you didn't get that. I'm, let me throw my ghetto version up real quick. Let's look at the message Bible. Go to the ghetto version. Maybe you feel this more. Then Jesus turns to the Jews who had claimed to believe in him and says, if you stick with this living out, what I tell you, you are my disciples for sure. Then you will experience for yourself the truth. And the truth will free you. 
you will experience the truth yourself. And then that will free you. Uh, I'm sorry, I thought this was the church. I thought y'all were going to get excited with me. I thought this was the church. We in church today? I thought we were in church today. Um, I thought I had the redeemed body of Christ in here with me today that, that wanted the truth. I can get excited by all this. Why? Because with truth, God can produce some change. Uh, I can get excited because there was a time in my life and I said, you know what? Ain't nothing wrong with fornicating. Yeah, I said that. And I was fornicating with Lady Thomas. It was a time when I said... The truth will make you free. There was a time I said, ain't nothing wrong with fornicating. That's how I thought. And guess what? No longer fornicating. Uh, there was a time when I thought the only way I was going to stop getting high was if I went to jail. I'm not going to stop smoking weed. I'm have to go to jail, be locked up because I'm not going to quit smoking weed. But then guess what? I, I found Jesus and I found out that he the most high. Uh, no matter what I was doing, nothing got me higher than Christ because he put me on a different level. Uh, there was a time when I didn't mind telling lies. Because I put her laughing back there. There was a time when I didn't mind telling lies. Why? Because when we lie, we're usually trying to put our needs above everyone else's. I want my way to be done. So there was a time I didn't mind telling lies. Once I became truthful with myself that I'm a sinner in need of a savior, then God began to work on my heart. But it wasn't until I learned, check this out, that I needed to be honest, then God could deal with me. Amen. See, once I learned that, it became evident that greater is he is in me than he is in the world. Yeah, yeah. The freedom you are searching for, the emptiness you so desperately want to be filled can never be filled until you learn to tell the truth. Yeah, Alright, I gotta finish this thing. Come on, we're gonna do a couple more scriptures and we're going home. A couple more scriptures, we're about to get out of here. Check this out. The woman said to him, so I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and the Jews said that in Jerusalem is the place one ought to worship. And Jesus said, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. So Jesus had messed his girl mind up now. He started off, give me a drink. We don't even talk to each other. Who you think you are? I don't know who you are, Jesus. So now I want the water. Help me out. All this stuff. So now he didn't talk about her husbands, her past. You got to be a prophet or something. You got to know God. He blown her mind. So she said, check this out. I want to let you know that I am a little spiritual. I do read the Pentateuch. I ain't just out here wilding. And I know that we're supposed to worship on the mountain, but Jerusalem says it's there, and we say it's here. We think it's where Abraham built the altar. They think it's in Jerusalem. So the Jews who recognized the entire canon, the whole Old Testament, knew that Jerusalem was the spot to worship. And this, this reminds us of the problem we have today of denominations. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's what that reminds me of. That they are even over where to worship. Right. <laughs> I remember I seen an interview on the internet messing me up. He said, what is all this you got? The apostolic Pentecostal. Baptist, this, this. Are y'all gang members? What are y'all? Are y'all fighting over church? What are all y'all? I don't get it. You know what I mean? And I felt the brother. I was like, I feel you. What is that? All this stuff. So they arguing over where to worship and where they should be at. And, and, and the thing about to be worried about is not where to worship, but who are you worshiping? Right. Woo. Amen. Not where you worship, but who are you worshiping is the big question. So Jesus knows Jerusalem is the center of worship, but I'm also going to unite worshipers everywhere. Yes. I'm going to tell you the hour is coming and it's here now yes. that the church has to become unified in worshiping God. That's it. That's yeah, we got to quit arguing over petty things. 
Quit making petty differences about who's this and who's this and who's holy and who's ain't. Do you know Jesus? Did he die for your sins? Is he the son of God? Did you repent? Have you been forgiven? Do you have the Holy Spirit? Has God moved in your life? Don't get caught up in the petty things because that doesn't matter. When we get to heaven, we're not going to say apostolics on this side, Baptists on this side, Catholics on this side, this one on this side. No, baby, we're going to all be together worshiping God on one accord. So we got to learn to put away the petty differences and learn how to worship. This is what Jesus is trying to get through to us. So here we go, and I'm almost done. Jesus says this, you worship what you do not know. We know that we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So if you only knew how to worship, you would worship him correctly. The Samaritans knew who God was, but they didn't know how to worship they were caught up in the petty differences. And, and Jesus said, I understand that. So now i got to show you how to correctly worship. I know y'all follow the five books of the, of the Old Testament, the first five books. I understand that. Check this out. But salvation is of the Jews, which means that the Messiah is going to come through a Jew. Jesus, I'm that guy. I'm coming through the Jews. I'm not coming through the Samaritans. So I'm coming to give it to everybody, but I'm coming through the Jews. And then he says this. The Jew is the Messiah who's going to change the game, who put his perfect life on the line to save mankind from our sins. So he says the hour is coming. That means that it's happening now that true worshipers can now worship me in spirit and in truth. So God is a spirit, which means he's not a physical being. He's not limited to one place of worship. Can't put a cap on the Holy Ghost. God's here. He ain't nowhere else. He can't do that. He's a spirit. He is present everywhere, which means he can be worshipped everywhere. Okay. It's not what we worship that counts, but it's how we worship. This is why when I get out of my bed in the morning and I inhale and exhale, I can start to worship. Because I'm in the three funerals this week. And and I know tomorrow I ain't promised. So when I get up out of my bed in the morning, I... Inhale and exhale, I can begin to worship because I know God's been that good. Uh, this is why I can get in the shower and I can't sing a lick. Can't sing a lick, but I know how great my God is. And I might bust out how great my God is. I can begin to worship because he's been that good. Uh, I can get in my car, and if the right song come on, I can begin the whole praise break. But check this out. I don't even got to have the music because a thought come across my mind. When I should have been dead and gone. When I should have lost everything. When he should have took me out. When I deserved to get taken out. When it's my sins that could have messed me up. He still gave it back. So I can get in my car and worship. And I better pull over. Because I might cause an accident. Because he been that good and that kind to me. So I can worship anywhere. Why? Because can't nobody do me like Jesus. I don't care who they are or what they are. Can't nobody do you like Jesus. When I think about my good and my bad, how he saved me, how he kept me, how he delivered me, how he watched over me, how he kept me when I didn't want to be kept. Can't nobody do you like Jesus. So when I get to the house of God with my teammates, this is when y'all supposed to go crazy. When I get to the house of God with my, because I worship by myself already. Now I'm with my teammates. And now we're on the same accord. 
And we all know God been getting good to us because I see your face. I see you in these seats. You in the land of the living. So now with my teammates, when we come together, we should be worshiping. We should be praising, high-fiving and hugging God. Why? Because he's been so good. So look at this. And I'm gone. Spirit and truth. Our worship must be genuine and true. The truth is, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Any perfect people raise your hand? Right now, here's your chance. We talk to you about it and just see how perfect you are. Any perfect people here? Okay, let's check it. Make sure. Make sure. I want to make sure before I, I, I said that. The truth is, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. That's a shout right there. While I was yet at my worst, He saw the best in me. While I was yet a sinner, not yet an angel, not yet holy, yet a sinner, Christ died for us. The truth is, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believe in him shall have everlasting life and not perish. Amen. The truth is, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us Amen. and cleanse us. That's the water. Cleanse us Amen. of all unrighteousness. Amen. So the truth is, nothing can separate us from the love of God. So for God to be able to get where he needs to get in your life. For your worship to get where it needs to go. Amen. You got to worship him in spirit and in truth. Because until you're honest, he can't help you. Until you're honest, he can't heal you. Until you're honest, God can't do the thing he wants to do in your life. Amen. Can we give God a praise in this place? If he's been good in time and doing what we thank God for what he's doing, for what he's done in this place, we bless your name, oh Father. I thank you for being here today. And I know God got you here for a reason. And Jesus loves you when he cares. Some of us are like just like this woman in the well. Even though she's been through it. She been through it. Five husbands. Man, she got now ain't her husband. All kind of issues. But you said if you only knew who you were. And if you only knew who it was that loved you and got something for you. So I don't know what you're standing in need of, but I do know one thing. Everybody needs Jesus. So if you need to be saved, let today be your day. If you say, you know what? I need to give my life to Christ. I've been living my life. I've been mobbing around this earth for so and so years, doing my own thing for so many years. And guess what? He's still getting to the curb. I was like that woman in the way. I was thirsty for all the wrong things. I was here. I was there. I was everywhere thirsty. But he still said, you know what? I got something better for you. If you need to give your life to Christ, let today be your day. Maybe you are saved. I've already given my life to Christ. I just, I need, I need a church home. We would love to have you as we begin to build and do what God has called us to do. As we're on the ground, as the beginning stages of our ministry, God has blessed us. We would love to love on you, to encourage you, to be who God called you to be. Maybe you need to be baptized you haven't been baptized. Maybe you need to rededicate your life to Christ. So you know what? I've been doing my own thing. I've I known Jesus, but guess what? I ain't been following him. I, I, I confessed him earlier, but I ain't been doing what he asked me to do. I need to rededicate my life to Christ. I need to get back to where I need to be. I love God because guess what? As long as you're alive and you're breathing, he ain't turning you down. He ain't giving up on you. He says this, I am married to the backslider. So when you slide back and push away from me, I still ain't pushing away from you. I'm still here with open arms. 
ready to hug you or ready to receive you. The prodigal son who left the father. Say, Dad, give me my money. I'm out. I want to go kick it. I want to go hang in the club. I want to go party. I want to go do whatever I want to do. He took his father's money and wasted it. He was gone. But when he came to himself and came back to the father, the father ran and met him and hugged him. And that's how God feels about us. He don't care how much wrong you did. When you come back, he's there with open arms, ready to love you. Ready to open you and say, I love you. I ain't never left you. I'm right here to embrace you. So if you need to be saved, you need to give your life to Christ. You need to rededicate your life to Christ. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, O God. Thank you, O God. Have your way, O Lord. Need something from God, let today be your day. If God is knocking on your heart, those of y'all who know me, praise God. Praise God. Okay. Amen. Amen. Those who know, I don't I don't stretch this out. I, I, I can't scare you in heaven. I'm sorry, I can't scare you in heaven. Can't nobody do that. It gotta be a decision you gotta make. But if you hear God knocking on your heart, he says, if anyone hears me knocking on their heart. Open up, and I'll come in and I'll abide with you. So if you hear God knocking on your heart, whatever you stand in need of, let today be your day. But God loves you and he cares. He loves you and he cares. If you don't get nothing else, he loves you and he cares. But before I shut it down, anybody else need anything? Hallelujah. Praise God. If you got to praise him in place, what's you better than you got to praise He's good, he's kind, he's worthy of all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. So we thank you, O 